finishing up our series of messages on Tales of the Vine. And this is our fourth week that we've looked at, uh, really, the vision of our church through the lens of John 15. What is it that God has called us to do and to be? Well, we know that God is the husbandman, the gardener. And that first Sunday, we looked at the idea that God not only watches over the garden, not only watches over the vineyard, he watches over our lives. In fact, the scripture tells us that God literally broods over his creation, hovering above us, wanting to meet us, to touch us, to heal us, to bring us life. And so God is the one who watches over the vineyard. And then we discovered that Jesus Christ is the vine. And the life in him, the life that is real and vital in him, is the life that flows into every branch who is connected to the vine. You are the branches, the scripture tells us. And if you are vitally connected, if you have that inexorable uh, connection to Jesus Christ, you will bear fruit. It's not a matter of when or if. You will bear fruit because the life of Jesus is flowing in you. There's no, no greater mystery and no greater uh, a joy and teaching in Scripture than Colossians 1.27. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the presence of Christ in you, that life force flowing into you and through you. That is the life that you live. And when you live that life, then you will bear fruit. So that's what we've been learning these weeks. And what we also learned is this, that once you understand that, that God is the gardener and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, uh, that connection to the Father and to the Son, that connection is up to you. The choice is yours. You get to choose whether to be connected to Christ or disconnected. You had a, a, a choice to be continue to abide in him, to remain in him, to have this lifelong process of, of dwelling in Jesus Christ. The choice is up to you. So we've been called to, to, to connect to each other, connect to Christ and connect to each other. We've been called to grow. And growing means that we are not only abiding, it means that God is pruning us and he's taking those suckers away from our lives that give us so much trouble that we have somehow believed have life, but they don't. And then the last part of what we have been looking at in this wonderful text is that we are to serve. So that's really the the theme, the vision of our church, to connect, grow, and serve. And today I want to look at this concept from Scripture about what it means to serve one another. And once again, I would like to read for you uh, from John 17, or excuse me, John 15, the first 17 verses. And I'll be reading from the NIV uh, today. And as I read this, I want you to remember one thing. This is, this is God's word for you. This is God's word to you, and this is God's word for you. So hear now his precious word. I am the true vine, Jesus is speaking, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful passage? And again, that is the word of God for you today. Note the progression of the text and its beauty. It talks about connecting. I am the vine, you are the branches. It talks about growing. Abide in me and I will abide in you. And he talks about pruning. He prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so they will produce even more. And then serving, the last part of the text. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. If you are bearing fruit because you're connected to the vine, that fruit that you bear will bless many people. It will bless people in your own life. It will bless people in your community. And it will even, far-reaching, bless people throughout the world. And I'll explain that through the message today. God has called us to serve and to really have a heart like Jesus had a heart. Jesus had a heart to serve. This is what he said in Matthew 20. Your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. Now consider what Jesus meant when he said that love equals serving. Jesus comes into the upper room. It's Monday, Thursday. Soon they're going to, uh, Jesus is going to go to the cross and die for our sins. But at that moment, he comes into the upper room. Uh, Peter, James, and John are there, the leaders, and they're talking. Actually, they're arguing over who is going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. And so they're chatting. I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. No, I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. And they're all arguing over who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of God. As they're arguing, Jesus comes into the room, picks up a towel and a basin, and begins to wash their feet. That's kind of embarrassing, right? You're arguing over who's going to be great. And here the the Lord of the universe, the creator of all things, is washing your feet. And when he's done, Jesus said, do you understand what I've just done for you? If you want to love somebody, you serve them. You wash their feet. That wasn't the end of Jesus' loving equals service. What's the greatest thing that he did to show you his love? He served you by going to the cross, literally taking your sins upon himself, dying for your sins as if they were his own, and being raised from the dead so that you can have life. That's the greatest kind of service you can imagine. And then after the resurrection, 
Jesus is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples are coming over to him. Jesus has his little Coleman stove out. He's fixing breakfast for the disciples, eggs and, you know, fresh fish and all of that. And he's fixing breakfast for the disciples, and he get, they gather around him, and then he focuses in on Peter. Remember, Peter's the one who denied him. He said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, what a moment that must have been. Peter denied him. He hadn't spoken to him since then. And now Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said three different times, feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. At that moment, Jesus defined love. Peter, you love me. You care for those around you. Peter, you love me. You take care of the church. Peter, you love me. You take care of the people in your community. Peter, you love me. You take care of those in the world who do not know Jesus Christ. Love equals service. And if you want to be a fruit bearer, and I know your hearts, I know that you want to be a fruit bearer, then God has called you to serve each other, to serve your community, and to serve the world. So how can we serve with a heart like Jesus? Three things I want to share with you, and then I want to show you um, uh, a video. The first thing is this. Serving like Jesus means being available. So one day Jesus is walking along the road to Jericho. And as he is, a couple of blind guys start yelling at him. And here's what the text says in Matthew 20. Two blind men shouted, Lord, Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Excuse me. (coughs) What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Now, in that text, of course, thank you, honey. In that text, uh, uh, Jesus heals these two blind men. But first he wanted them to say what they wanted. Let me tell you what I think is the most critical part of that passage. It's the word stopped. Stopped. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to be interrupted. You must be willing to to be stopped. Your own agenda is important. Your own how you feeling, how you feeling about things, that's important. All of that stuff is important. But you have to be willing, just like Jesus was always willing to be interrupted, you have to be willing to be stopped and let God minister to someone through you. So uh, most of you know, those of you who are new maybe don't know that uh, back in 1989, Sherry and I lost our son Tyler uh, and he passed away at age, age 10. He's 10 years old. And uh, after a couple of weeks of uh, being off uh, away from church, the church gave me as much time as I needed to grieve. Um, I finally had to go back to church and dig back in. And so I did on this particular Tuesday morning. And I was still grieving. I was still really hurting from everything that happened. I didn't really know what I was going to do or what I was going to be. Uh, But as I got into the office, uh, the phone rang. It was early. And it was like 7 in the morning. The phone rang. Uh, By the way, this was in Denver, Colorado. And... uh, I picked up the phone, and it was a young couple that had just moved here from the East Coast, moved to Denver from the East Coast, and they told me that just an hour ago, their, their 14-month-old baby died of SIDS. And I had to stop. And I had to put all of my own feelings, my own agenda, my own grief, as important as those are, I had to put those on the back burner. I had to stop and minister to that young couple. That was the hardest funeral I've ever done. In my 30 years of ministry, over 200 funerals, that was the hardest one I've ever done. Uh, a baby that died of SIDS. And 
as we were ministering to this couple over the following weeks and months, they both came to Christ. And if you were to go to that church today, they're very active as leaders in that church. But here's the deal. We all have to be willing, no matter what's going on inside of us and for us, to stop, to make ourselves available. You know the, you know the drill. When you are so focused on your own pain, your own stuff, you know what God wants you to do. Go outside of your pain, go outside of your stuff, and minister to someone else. We have to be available. Proverbs 3 says it this way. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Now, that's a challenge in Arizona because our neighbors are behind a brick wall, right? You know, most of us live in the suburbs. Yeah? But, but we must never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Here's how John Wesley, the 18th century uh, preacher, put it uh, so succinctly. This was one of his mottos. Uh, John Wesley said, do all the good you can. By all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Now, that's a lot of cans. I recognize that. But we have to start learning how, even in the midst of our own stuff, to be able to stop and say, Lord, is this an opportunity you have for me? Is this an opportunity to minister to someone that maybe I didn't really understand? And part of that is we have to, if, we, if we're going to do that, we have to have time margins. Some of you workaholics out there, but you think your value comes from working, uh, you know, 16 hours a day. It doesn't. We have to have time margins in our life so that there are times available to stop and be available to someone else. Now, there's some barriers to being available. One of those barriers is self-centeredness. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I mean, you, you and I know the number one enemy of compassion is busyness. It's hard to be compassionate when you're so busy, so focused on you and your stuff and your little world. You're so focused on that. You have no time margins. There's no ability to minister to someone else. It's like we put a, a do not disturb sign on our hearts. We've got to take that down. A second barrier to being available is perfectionism. Perfectionism, the kind of the, the when-then syndrome. Well, as soon as I have my financial act in order, then I'll start helping someone else. Well, as soon as I, I have my, uh, you know, my house finished and it's all just the way I want, it's perfect, then I'll have somebody over for a meal. And all these when-thens. Friends, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Now, that's not my words. That's, that's Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes. If you wait for perfect conditions... You'll never get anything done. Well, but pastor, I don't want to serve if I can't serve first class or serve with excellence. And if I, I can't, I'm, unless it's perfect, I'm just not going to serve. Well, there's a Greek word for that. And the Greek word is hogwash. Actually, actually, it's not Greek. You know, that's English. But, but you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, we always say, oh, yeah, well, as soon as I get this together and then I'll. Do, no, no, no. God wants you to give the best you have. It may not be much. You give the best you You give it humbly. Remember when Jesus was ready to feed the 5,000 on the, on the side of the mountain? And, and as he was ready to feed them, he, he, he recognized that they were hungry. And the disciples are going, what are we going to do? There's no uh, Kmart around. There's no uh, McDonald's. What are we going to do? And, and a little boy comes up, a uh, little boy, and he was uh, there for the day to listen to all the activities. And he said, well, I don't have much, but I've got this lunch. Two little mackerel, about that big, and five little barley buns. You know, that's, that's my lunch. You know, Jesus, you can have that if you want. Jesus took that small, menial gift 
Very small, unimportant. That small, menial, unimportant gift. And he took that and he created a miracle. What do you think he can do with your gift? What do you think he can do with your service? Well, I can't do much, but I can pass out bulletins. Of course you can. And you can make a difference. Well, I can't do much, but I can rock babies once a month. I I can't do much, but I can go knock on my neighbor's door and give him a plate of cookies. Yes, you can. It doesn't matter how small. God wants you to serve with a heart of compassion. Being available. A heart of love. Don't worry about being perfect. Worry about serving. But there's a third barrier to this, and you'll understand what this one is. It's materialism. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. See, people that have no financial margins don't have the ability, even though they want to, don't have the ability to be generous. You ever thought of that? Uh, Sherry and I have been in financial crisis years ago, mostly because of my gambling and all kinds of things. So we know what it's right, what it feels like to be in financial crisis. I mean, uh, the average American spends a dollar six for every dollar they earn. That's a problem. <laughs> it's called debt. And, and when you have that kind of debt and that pressure, and I so, talk to so many couples, there's pressure on their lives, and I don't know what to do. What, what it means is this. You don't have any financial margins. You don't have any ability to be generous. I love it when a need comes up in our church or outside our church, and Sherry and I look at each other and say, let's write a check. You know, let's be generous. God wants you to be generous. And you have to ask the question, am I going to be a kingdom builder or a wealth builder. I, I just don't want to come to the end of my life and have a lot of money to distribute to, for my kids and grandkids to fight over. I don't want that. And neither should you. Let them, work it, let them work at it their own way. They don't need my money. I want to give my money away. I want to make a difference for the kingdom. Serving means being available in all of these areas. But serving also means something else. Serving like Jesus means being grateful. Are you grateful for what God has done for you. Do you honestly realize how big God's love is? How much bigger God's love is than your sin? How much bigger God's grace is than your brokenness? How much bigger eternity is than your 60, 70, 80, 90 years here on this planet? Do you really realize how big God is? Because when you do, You have a heart that overflows with thanksgiving. The Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. And in 2 Timothy 1, 9, it says, it is he who saved us and chose us for his holy work, not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan. God didn't choose you because you're exceptional. God chooses you because you're broken and unexceptional. And he says, I want to make you whole and exceptional. That's what God wants to do. When I recognize the bigness of God in my life, I'm just absolutely overwhelmed. So back to um, 1990 or the year 2000, I had just met with the board of ministry for the Covenant Church 
They had just reordained me after my three years of being in the wilderness with my gambling addiction. And they reordained me and they said, now you can be a pastor again. And then in April of 2000, uh, Hope Covenant Church, the little church that met in the strip mall over by Florodinos, uh, that little church called me to be their pastor. And as I was driving the next day, I had to pull over because a song came on the radio that they sang, Rivers of Mercy, Oceans of Grace. And I could not stop crying. Oceans of mercy. Rivers of mercy. Oceans of grace. How could a man who had blown his opportunity to be a pastor by his own sin be welcomed back, not only into the kingdom, but be welcomed back into the ministry? When you recognize how much bigger God's grace is than your sin, when you recognize how much wider God's love is than your broken heart, when you realize that the only response to him is a heart-filled with gratitude. And when you have a heart filled with gratitude, guess what? You have a heart like Jesus, and that means you want to serve other people. You want to give your very best. We don't do good deeds to show them how wonderful we are. We do acts of service because God is wonderful to us. Remember I gave you a definition a couple weeks ago about responsibility? Here's your responsibility, friends. Your responsibility is your response to God's ability. That's a heart full of praise. Serving like Jesus means being available. It means being grateful. And finally, serving like Jesus means being faithful. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, The one thing required of servants is that they be faithful. There's so many areas of service that are needed uh, around you, in our church, in your community, in the world. People needing the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. And guess what? You are the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus. Matthew 25 says that when you give someone a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus, it's like you're giving it to Jesus himself. Serving like Jesus means being faithful to your call to serve others. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He'd say the same thing to you. Do you love me? then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Serving out of a deep sense of love and passion for people is what God has called us to. That's the kind of heart he wants us to have. We have um, uh, so many service opportunities at our church. Uh, There's a brochure that we've just published. It's called uh, Serve, Serving Opportunities, Hope Covenant Church. You can pick one up on the way out. But uh, look around you. Uh, I've told you this many times, but during a service, especially during first service, when there's more classes going on, every room is filled during first service, um, over 40 people are serving you while you're worshiping God. Isn't that beautiful? Somebody's serving you. They're doing it so that you can have this worship experience. Serving like Jesus means being faithful, offering a cup of cold water in his name. Brothers and sisters in Christ, one day we're going to stand before God And he will say something very similar to this. What did you do to show my heart to the world? What did you do to show my heart to the world? You see, when we serve others, when we do our part to make the world better for Jesus' sake, here's the words that we will hear from Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Wouldn't that be awesome to hear those words at the end of our lives? Come and share your master's happiness. When we are connected to Jesus, when the branch is connected to the vine, and we are receiving the life from Christ into us, the Bible says that we will naturally and normally bear fruit. And when we bear fruit, what that fruit looks like is loving and serving other people. And you and I have been called to do just that. You will make a difference in the church and in the world, I promise you. If you're connected to the vine, you will make a difference in the church and the world. But you say, well, Pastor, but the world is so broken. It is so mixed up. There's so many needs. I feel overwhelmed. I don't know that I can do anything. What should I do? What should I do? And, and that's when we start asking, right, a thousand different questions. What am I supposed to do? And God has called you to make a difference in your life, in your world, in your community. He has called you to make a difference. So I want you to see this, um, this uh, brief DVD and it's titled A Thousand Questions. this 
traded it away in a strange transaction. The forging of the first weapons, the spilling of first blood, the trampling and trashing of paradise, blowing the gift to pieces with a bang! The need for intensive care. So now the rain for a star strip bear. So now the city gives birth to slums. So now the rifles and suitcase bombs. Why? 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 what was supposed to be up against the brutality of our reality. Why? Why? This is my father's world. I rest me in the song of rocks and trees. Night and day 
a song of human slavery, of dark disease and poverty, of children in captivity. God, that's the sound that comes to me. Are you still far away on high? Still staring out at that empty sky? Still reaching out with that longing hand? I hear no voice and I don't understand. I know about theology. I know you gave your son for me. I know you're wrapped in mystery. I get invisibility, but I still see their misery. I hear their voices haunting me, saying, who will come and set us free? Who will come and set us free? Who will come and set us free? Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. everything but you made one thing clear when you left this earth and ascended to heaven you've said that the gospel of Jesus which is life giving that that gospel the world needs to know and hear and see and taste and feel and your plan for that was us 
Here am I. Send me. The words of Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years ago still echo in our hearts today. Lord, here am I. Send me. Lord, we're connected to Christ. We have the life of Jesus in us. And therefore, we have that compassion and that love in us as well. Help us to say that that word over and over again uh, to our neighbors in our church around the world. Lord, here am I. Send me. That is my prayer for every person at Hope Covenant Church, that we would be the fruit in the world that would bear witness to the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, here am I. Send me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.